Hi everyone, welcome to the Draft Talk podcast, brought to you by 99 Yards. The Draft Talk podcast is exclusively about the NFL Draft. Each week we're bringing you analysis, interviews, mock drafts, our infamous top five, and much, much more. I'm your host Brian, and I'm joined by our Draft Talk team, Owen, MJ and Stu. How are we feeling guys, we have a couple of weeks left till the draft? Yeah, three weeks so, left, it's coming around in a hurry, isn't it? Yep, the, the, t- the tension is building, isn't it? Every day there are new stories out there. Uh, wild theories that are coming out and, and we're kind of in the middle of it and, and only a couple of weeks to go. Yeah, as MJ says, we're almost into silly season now, um, but three, three weeks to go to the draft um, and we're all we're all getting pretty excited about it now. It's shaping up to be a pretty good draft, I think. Yeah, bring it on. As regular listeners will know, we've discussed over 85 prospects so far in our top fives, running through all the offensive and defensive positions. This week, we're going to discuss some sleepers, guys who won't see picked until maybe day three, but we're confident could still make an impact in the league. But first, as we did last week with the 49ers trade, let's talk about this week's big trade in the news. Former third overall pick, Sam Darnold, was traded from the Jets to the Panthers for a second and fourth round pick in next year's draft and a sixth in this year's draft. What do we think, guys? Is there a clear win in the trade and how will it affect the draft? Um, I think there is a couple of winners in the trade and I think the Jets are definitely a winner in this one and I think Sam Darnold's a winner in this one and I think the big losers for me are the Panthers. I don't think this is a good trade for the Panthers at all. Um, I've uh, seen Sam Darnold now for the last three years and I think he's really not showing us anything to offer a huge amount of hope that he's going to be a wonderful quarterback for the franchise. Um, he, he's been in a pretty bad situation. Like We're not going to lie, he's not had a great team around him. Adam Gase will not particularly do wonders for any quarterback or any team, really, apart from Peyton Manning. And that just probably showed how good Peyton Manning was rather than how good Adam Gase was. Sam Darnold, even in the bits that he's shown, he, he hasn't really done anything for me that would suggest that he is going to suddenly become a wonderful quarterback when he moves across to the Panthers. When you look at some of his plays, he, particularly even when he was coming out of college, he he's not great with ball security at all. That was a big problem for him coming out, and he hasn't really improved that. I think that when you, even when you look at the stats, when he's had a clean pocket and he hasn't been under pressure, he was rated 31 out of 32 quarterbacks last year. Um, I think... Over over a over a period, I think it was, and I think actually the only person worse than him with some of his stats was Josh Rosen when he was playing, um, and that that says it all. He's been an absolute bust in the league as well. So yeah, for me, I think as well. What what's the best that Carolina can hope for with this trade is that they've got a well thought of offensive coordinator, um, who who's done good stuff with LSU, and he's come over to the Panthers. So if he he does well with Sam Darnold, he's going to be off ski, and you're left with a quarterback that is very much scheme or coordinator dependent. Um, and I think that looking at that moving forward, is that what you really want as a face of your franchise? I don't think so. It's a good move for him. He's getting out of if he's getting out of the Jets. He's getting a fresh start. He's getting another starting gig. Um, it's almost certainly he's going to be starting quarterback for the Panthers. And I think the Jets, they've accumulated more draft capital for this year, which they already had a lot, but they've also taken it on to next year. And for a rebuilding franchise, capital is, is really important. 
Um, so yeah, I did say I was going to go on a bit of a rant about this one. I probably <laughs> ranted long enough and see what the other guys think about it. Yeah, so I, I would agree that I, I think you just almost set the Jets to one side on this. The Jets have hit reset. They've, they've got some extra capital. All good. They'll move on. Second pick, probably Zach Wilson. Um, and they'll, they'll move on from there. They've reset the clock. Uh, so they've saved some money um, and they can build around uh, their new franchise quarterback. I think it is a it's a good move for Darnold because he's in a he's in a better situation in terms of as you just said there he's got Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator. If there's anybody who can who can try and do something with with Darnold and put him on a better footing, it's it's probably Joe Brady. Uh, you look at what they did with Teddy Bridgewater at the start of last season, um, and his stats were pretty useful certainly in the first half of that season. For for the Panthers, it's clear this this was not plan A or even B or C. This may just be plan D for Darnold. They they were interested in Stafford. Obviously, they were interested in Deshaun Watson, and you have to park that at the moment with, with what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson, I imagine they were, they were probably interested in, in that as an idea, and that's something that may resurface in, say, 12 months' time with Russell Wilson. So I, I think Darnold's a stopgap. Yes, they've picked up the fifth-year option on him, but I, I think the plan may well be, let's try and get a season out of him. If he does any good, then we might be able to get a pick for him. We might be able to include him in a trade with somebody else in, in 12 months' time if we've been, if we've been able to fix, uh, fix his issues. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Darnold's stay in Carolina is a relatively short one. Yeah, so for me, it absolutely stinks of depra- uh, desperation, doesn't it? It's they've completely run out of ideas and settled, I think, for Sam Darnold. And I guess it depends how they view him, right? But in in my opinion, I think they're probably still in the market for a quarterback. Because honestly, if Trey Lance or Justin Fields is still sat there at eight, do we really think that they're going to pass on him? I don't think so. And, you know, if you've listened to our other podcasts, especially the one last week when we've been speaking about Mac Jones, everything that we've said points to don't settle for average quarterback play. And currently, Sam Darnold has not proven to us to be anything other than, than bang average. That doesn't mean he can't develop to be good or, or even, even great. So I, I did like him coming out of college. Uh, but if I'm Carolina, I, I'm not not banking on that. And you know, I don't think he's a sure thing, a sure thing at all, is it? And if one of the big four quarterbacks are sat there at eight, I think the Panthers have to pull the trigger. And, and I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing. I think if you know if you let Darnold fight it out for the starting position, you can kind of treat it like bowling. You get you get two goes at the knocking down the pins and let them let them fight out and see which one comes out on top. And as we've seen from the um, from the compensation you can get, you know, if you, whichever one loses, you can trade them for a minimum of a second round pick anyway. It doesn't matter how bad they are. Um, Partly for the reason for that is if they if you, um, they walk away from their contract and they sign for backup money, then they, the the team get a minimum of a third round compensa- uh, compensationary pick. Uh, so that's why you're seeing um, Rosen and, and even Darnold now going for seconds. Yeah, so if you're trading for a quarterback, you, you're going to have to go more than that third round pick. So yeah, I, I don't hate I don't hate it. It's a bit like meh, like yeah, it's good for all parties. All right. Um, but if I'm Carolina, I'm absolutely not settled at the position. Say so it's absolutely stinks of desperation, and I would still definitely be open to taking a quarterback there if it's if there's one available. And my thinking there isn't exclusive to the Panthers. I'd probably say the same thing about the Lions as well. 
Yeah, and I think um, you said right. If, if they draft another quarterback, that that changes things as they as they have the potential to potentially get some of that draft capital back. If they don't pick a quarterback and Sam Darnold is rubbish, um, which he may well be, the Carolina Panthers are one of these teams that are trying to rebuild who haven't really stocked up well on draft capital. I mean, when you we're speaking about the Jets earlier on, they've stocked up. They've got loads of picks. Miami have had loads of picks over the last couple of years. The Philadelphia Eagles are another team who are trying to stock up draft capital, you know, to maybe make a move at some point. The Panthers don't really have that. They've just got the they've got less than their bog standard picks now. And when you look at their roster, do they have someone like a Jamal Adams you can flip for two first rounds? Do they have a Laramie Tunsil that the 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 the, the, the Dolphins have flipped? They got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick for a first. Other than McCaffrey, is there someone that has that? ability on the Panthers roster to get that draft capital back and I don't think teams are going to give up that much draft mm-hmm. capital for someone like a McCaffrey so they, they could end themselves in a really sticky situation if this doesn't work out properly yeah I would, I would agree with that and on the hip of it is the reason why we're maybe not speaking about that enough is because they have done really well with recruiting recently over the last couple of seasons or last year's draft where they drafted all or every single pick on the defensive side of the ball you know, they're all pretty good picks. The first couple, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, you know, really good players. Um, if they hadn't have hit on them, there might be a completely different scenario. And, well, they might be picking uh, lower down in the draft and we wouldn't have been speaking about this at all. Yeah, I think the first thing that jumped out for me was was the timing of it. I sort of think, I get, you want to get all your things lined up before the draft, but could you have got it maybe a little bit cheaper during the draft or... Maybe after the draft, depending depend on how it goes. But yeah, we'll see. But I, I certainly, as everyone said, it's a good move for Sam Darnold. He gets to play, you know, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. He's actually got some weapons to work with uh, and some good coaches, which, you know, let's face it, he didn't have in his three years at the Jets. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does because, as Owen said, coming out of college, you know, he's one of the top quarterbacks. And if you, if you think of, well, what have the Panthers given up to get him versus what, the 49ers has given up to get a, a top quarterback coming out of college. Um, you know, horses for courses and it's different stuff. But uh, I think every every QB is a bit of a gamble. So I think the Panthers just said, yeah, you know what, Let, let's bring him in um, and see how he does. And it be, would be interesting if they still ended up with another quarterback because he could potentially end up with first-round quarterback, um, Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Donald, which I, I don't know what you do with that. But... Um, I sort of I like the move, and I think, as you say, it's 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 good for the Jets too. They they get to sit there with all this draft capital, um, they've got plenty of picks coming up, and it's uh, it'll help them rebuild. And as you say, they should already have their quarterback come pick number two of the draft. So um, yeah, I think it's good for all. And I, I'm sort of fingers crossed. I hope Donald. I don't think he's going to be amazing, but I'd like to see him at least have a fair crack of the whip with a decent team behind him. Yeah, and just just quickly, you, you mentioned that in terms of the draft, picks seven, eight, and nine now become really interesting because if one of those quarterbacks does fall, starts to fall, you've got Detroit, who've, who've got Goff, you've got now the Panthers, you've got Darnold, and then you've got the Broncos, you've got Drew Locke. Now, none of those three sides would, would say that they've definitely got their franchise quarterback for the next five to ten years. So it will be really interesting come draft night once those first four or five picks start to fall into place, whether anybody in seven, eight, nine does feel the need to jump up. It certainly will be interesting. And back to the draft away from the trades. Let's look at some sleepers. 
Uh, we've looked at plenty of uh, top-end players during our top fives. But this week, we're going to do something a little bit different, someone a, a little bit further down the pecking order. We're going to look at some of the guys that you might see pop up in the later rounds. We've each picked one defensive and one offensive player. Uh, let's start on defence. Owain, who's your defensive sleeper? OK, so my defensive player is James Wiggins, the safety from Cincinnati. For me, he's a player who's got really good athleticism. He's really good in coverage and he plays really tough and physical. Um, he can play a variety of different roles. He can play nickel if you want him to. And he's got a track record of being able to take the ball away. And obviously we know that teams really value that. In terms of his play, there isn't a lot not to like. The problem is his injuries. So he tore an ACL just days before the 2019 season. Then in 2020, he struggled to keep fit with injuries. He had injuries to his arms and his legs. Those medicals which are happening at the combine over the next couple of days are going to be really key for Wiggins. But you know, if they if they are clean, then I think he offers really big upside and he's he's got starter potential. A, a prospect like Wiggins, as I was saying there with the injuries, what I like, and obviously I don't wish injuries on anyone, but he's shown he can fight through a bit of adversity. And I think teams like to see a, a player come through the other side and show that they've got that fight and that will to be a football player, you know, to come back from an injury after months of, of reha um, rehab and still show that you're a good athlete, you can still get production. I, th I think that just speaks volumes to the type of kid he is. Yeah, when, when Owen um, brought up this guy, um, the, the kind of main things I had when I look at the, the kind of brief looks I managed to get off, off the of the tape was he has seems to have a bit of an instinct for the ball. Um, and I think that's what kind of stood out. He, he's quite decisive in in making those moves. When he, when he thinks that there's something there to be taken away, he's... He knows what he's doing. He's decisive in that move. And again, turnover battles are, are really crucial in games. And if you've got somebody, you know, might not win every play, might not be the starter all the time, who has an instinct for a takeaway, that, that can be something that flips a game around. And the, these types of players are, are coveted by, by coaches um, because, of, because, of, because of what they do. And again, the injury concerns... We've we've seen people have worse injuries come back and and, and do well. Um, he, uh, you know, th that concern is always there, and that's what often lets these players slip through the the grass of other teams. And and it, there'll be someone out there who will have their eye on somebody like that, and just hope that he lands at the right spot for them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think with a lot of these, there's going to be just something about them, some spark that we've seen between the four of us that. That means that we really like them, um, even though they're they're rated lower down the the draft boards. So for Wiggins, I just echo what you said about this this kind of ball hawk nature. Twenty eighteen, I think three of his interceptions were like walk off touchdowns. Um, yeah, absolute true. instinct when when in a real clutch situation, he seemed to be the guy that would come up with the play. He'd come up with the ball. Yes, we've got the injury concerns, which wiped out 2019 for him. He actually came back quite quickly from the first ACL and then got injured again. But then he yeah, came back falling in Falling down the stairs, apparently, his leg injury. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not very lucky, is he? I mean, that, you know, just come back from an ACL and you fall down the stairs. That's um, Yeah, but he, he was back at it at 2020. I think um, I, I've looked and, and yeah, his, his athletic kind of characteristics, his traits are, are, are put him in that kind of... Um, I don't really like the term, but there's this this Bruce Feldman freak athlete sort of list, and and apparently he he is he is one for that uh, one in that list. 
so he, he's just got he's got instincts. There's just something about him. There is a spark about him, definitely. And he's one that, yeah, I would I would wish him all the best to be injury free and to land somewhere uh, where he's a, he's a really good fit. Yep, certainly one to keep an eye out for. Uh, Stu, who's your defensive prospect this week? So my defensive prospect is a cornerback from Oregon by the name of Diomedor Lenoir, I think is how you pronounce it. It's quite an, quite an unusual name to pronounce. He's a guy I came across because we watched, probably over the last couple of years, we watched quite a lot of Oregon offense um, because you had Justin Herbert and you've had Penny Sewell. There's been a lot to watch and there's been a lot of tape. So sometimes you just leave the tape on a little bit longer and see, oh, what have this team got on the defensive side of the ball? And I know, though, though not a great defense, he's a guy who kind of stood out a little bit to me. Um, he's played a bit of inside. He played a bit of outside for them as a corner. Um, the things that I really liked about him and is often what we've just talked about, he has a good instinct for the ball, particularly as a zone player. Um, and he's a good tackler, um, which, which will set him instead. He's, he's quite a good, smooth athlete. He's not explosively fast. He's not the most agile. So sometimes being a, a man corner is probably not for him. And I think if you have certain packages, um, he's someone who can who can take the field and cover well in zone and, and make plays on the ball rather than looking to shut down somebody. Um, so he is somebody that I think would, would fit in in a corner room rather than being a standout corner. Maybe he's a rotational guy somewhere if he finds the right defensive scheme particularly play a lot of zone he could he could be a useful piece for somebody yeah I think you've hit on it there Stu with the the zone coverage because that's exactly where I would be playing him as well because I think he's got really good tackling ability where if you you can exploit that in 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 the zone scheme where you allow him to get a bit of a run on the opposition let him diagnose routes as well as probably where it where he fits best without being disrespectful to him I just kept coming over going yeah he does that okay he does that okay which there's nothing wrong with average play um, but I think that's maybe why he's got lost in, in quite a deep cornerback class, isn't it? There's a number of cornerbacks we, we could have picked for, for sleepers and there's a number of cornerbacks we can pick and go on on day one and two as well. But yeah, he doesn't have that one thing that I think is his calling card like some of the others do above him. Uh, and that's maybe what's what's dropped him down. But yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a good prospect. Yeah. So there's there's an awful lot of depth there, isn't there? A cornerback. It's Absolutely. almost like it matches. It's almost like it matches the wide receiver. You know, there's as many cornerbacks as there are wide receivers coming out. Um, I thought, yeah, he he may well turn out to be a very nice pick on day three, as you say, to add depth to to a cornerback um, cohort in a in, in a side. You've got a, you've got a, a good um, you've got a good range of stats there. You've got about four years worth of stats, so you and you've got fairly consistent statistics on him as well. So you've got a lot of tape that you can go back and watch. Uh, he had a pretty good pro day recently. I think he ran he ran four four something. He was four 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 something like that. Um, so the the speed was there. I've got uh, I've got instincts written down, and I've got tough written down. He he seems to be. He doesn't shirk the his responsibilities as a cornerback. He's definitely there and up up for up for a tackle. He was a four star prospect coming out of high school, and he he played a bit of a bit of running back and a bit of wide receiver. And I think, as we've said before on here, if you've got a corner who's played a bit of wide receiver, then it really helps with those those ball instincts and the tracking. And yeah, as a, as a zone corner, adding depth to a room, I, I think he may well turn out to be a nice day three pick. Yeah, great pick there, Stu. Uh, MJ, who's your defensive player this week? We've we've all gone 
secondary. So I've got um, Robert Robert Rochelle, who's um, also a cornerback for uh, Central Arkansas. He was at. And I just, again, it was just, it was looking for, in all of these players, and you've got hundreds of players, you're just looking for some stories, you're, you're looking for some, some spark. Um, and coming out of high school, he played uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, free safety, cornerback, and outside linebacker. Um, did he coach as well? I, I think he did. I think he ran out with the drinks. I, I think he drove the team bus and, and everything. But he got no offers from from an FBS from a from a bowl um, college, and he, he so he dropped down to to FCS level, and he was only 175 pounds at the time, and so he he redshirted his first year, and he, he bulked up, and I think he's now about 195, close to two 200 sort of pounds, and 2019 was was definitely his year. He had a he had a breakout year in 2019. He's followed that up with good good stats. Um, throughout his college career, I think he's at about ten interceptions over the last two years. He's another one on Bruce Feldman's list. Um, really good athlete. Again, he put up some good numbers uh, in his pro day. He was a four four five and a four three nine, I think it was um, forty three inch on on the vertical. So again, he's he's another X wide receiver, and I think that he becomes the receiver when the ball's in the air. Um, and he's really good at, at tracking it. He's very good as a, a sort of a boundary corner, um, better as a, as, a, as a press corner, better in, in, in man coverage, um, good on the run support. S- some people might like him at safety rather than cornerback. He might have a bit of versatility there. I know he, he, was, um, he was at the Senior Bowl, wasn't he, I think? And I, I, think, he, I think he had some problems... Um, against the twitchier receivers, I think he's he's better when he's he's got somebody who is just running a fairly straightforward route. I think if somebody um, somebody's got a move on him, then I think he can bite on that, and that's where I think that's that's his negative side for me. But I really liked him when I watched the tape, and I, I thought he'll be he, he may he may even sneak up close to day two, but start of day three. I think he would be a fit for a team that values athletic traits um, particularly well. Um, when I was having a look at look at back at him on the you've seen probably seen recently on the Kentley Plates relative athletic scoring he has of people, he's apparently scored the best cornerback of all time on athletic testing. If you take his numbers, yes, they're pro day numbers and unofficial combine numbers. Um, so yeah, you're looking at someone who's got incredible athleticism. And that that will be something that teams value. There is teams who value athletic traits potentially over skill sets at times. And if you've got a team that have some corners who are set and they're quite happy with what they've got and they want to bring in someone else to round out that, that they can work with on the more skill side of the game, he could be someone that teams are interested in. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. So, yeah, it's that athletic traits, isn't it? But I think when you go into these later rounds, you see a lot of, say, converted um, players who are going to convert to safety or who are going to play nickel over the slot. I think Rochelle's going to be exclusively an outside corner, which is unusual when you, you when you're going down here and especially when you pair that uh, that athleticism he has to the outside. There's absolutely going to be a, a team that, that wants to take him. You've mentioned the... the um, like the speed there, I, I actually thought that when watching tape, that, that his, his speed was something that I, I wrote down in the cons column uh, because I thought he maybe struggled to keep up at times. But then you look at the the 40 and 
it, it's not, is it? So I wonder what it is. Whether it's a bit of a bit of footwork where uh, he's missing his step or something. But yeah, he's he's absolutely a, a, a team's definitely going to buy into him on day three, but just because of that pure athleticism. Yeah, it's great point now, and especially when you get into the sort of the day three picks, a lot of guys will, will go off traits, be it athleticism or just one or two things that they like about a player. And yeah, I watched a bit, and I think um, yeah, someone's going to like him. I sort of. You know, you can't really put a, a value on a good outside corner, so someone's going to take a bit of a flyer on him, and I certainly think he'd be uh, he'd be a really good pick. Who've you gone for? I've gone for uh, I've gone for Zach McPherson, uh, the cornerback from Texas Tech, keeping it in the secondary as we like to do. I only played two years at Texas Tech. Before that, I was at Penn State. Failed to uh, play much there, but he uh, played every game at Texas Tech. Um, and I think there's a lot to like there. He's not the best tackler. Does a lot of grabbing by the shoulders. You want you want to sort of wrap up the body a bit more. But he, he looked well, he tracked well. The thing that I really liked about him is, is I've just seen from sort of 2019 compared to 2020, he just looked like he was improving. Um, obviously, it didn't help that he didn't really play his first two years at Penn State. But so quite a bit of improvement at Texas Tech. Um, and if he can continue to prove, he'll uh, he'll have a shot in the league. It's it's strange doing a bit of reading just before we came on. I was trying to see where, where people had him rated and, I know the uh, Dane Brugler guy that's come out recently, he's got him going in the fourth round and I've seen quite a lot of people saying that he won't get drafted. So it's hard to sort of pinpoint where he'll go. Um, but I certainly think there's a lot, lot of traits are like there. Um, you just, I think you're banking on the upside, hoping it'll continue to improve. But um, I think he's worth someone taking a sort of late round flyer on him and um, getting him in special teams and see what he can do. Yeah, he's kind of the opposite of what we've just spoken about with Rochelle there, because I think size is his issue. I think he yep. is going to be a he is going to be a slot guy, and he doesn't have that that calling card that some of the smaller guys do. You look at um, Elijah Molden or Asante Samuel, where they have that one thing that they're really good at. McPherson doesn't maybe have that, and he's you know kind of that that average quarterback. He does everything okay. He's going to have to play over the slot if he's fortunate enough to make a team. And yeah, I think he's one where I think he will go later on. He'll be one of the that maybe a sixth rounder, but he's probably going to have to make his name on special teams first and, and hope that someone maybe gets injured and he can take his opportunity. And I think that's something that you, you've touched on there, Owen, that's a bit underrated. There is special teams roles for a lot of these guys um, who maybe don't have the perfect traits that you want starting initially and, they, and they've got room to grow. But they could be really good special teamers. And it's really important, I think, that teams have good special teamers as well. I think it's we often forget about it. We often think offense, defense, offense, defense all the time. And there's that third group where some elite special teamers can, again, make a difference in a game for you. So there may be a role for, for someone like this. But it does also show that the depth of the, the secondary, there's a lot of good guys. And it's, again, just who, who catches the eye of somebody that, that might get drafted over someone who doesn't. Yeah, so I, I didn't, I haven't dug up an awful lot on this guy other than special teams was the one thing that came out. And, and as you said there, special teams is a really valuable trait if you can com- contribute to that from day one. Um, bit of versatility there. He spent a little bit of time at, at safety and at linebacker as well. So that's going to help you if you're towards the end of a roster and a team picks up injuries as you, you're going through the season. What really intrigues me about this guy is again something that comes up with some day three prospects so as you've mentioned Brian he he was at Penn State to start with he was heavily recruited out of high school you had Alabama were in for him Ohio State were in for him and he went to Penn State and it clearly didn't didn't work out didn't pan out there at all transfers to Texas Tech 
has a better couple of years at Texas Tech. And he may be one of these guys who comes out, you know, chip on the shoulder, looking to prove himself, um, gets taken by the right team, has a, a real value, whether it's on special teams from day one or whether he creeps into a, a more regular spot on the roster. Yep, there we go. There's our four defensive, uh, let's call them sleeper picks. Let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Stu, kick us off. Who's your offensive prospect this week? So my offensive prospect is somebody on the offensive line, and it's a guy called Walker Little, who is from Stanford. I almost came across him by accident. Um, the, the, the reason I, I saw his name was I was looking at one of these a wee while ago, these daft too early drafts for 2021. And I found come across one that was 2020. And he was the number two picking it. I can't remember whose it was. And I thought, wow, okay, this guy seemed to have kind of passed me by a little bit. And I think the reason he's passed us by a little bit is he opted out this year and he had a fairly nasty injury that ended his 2019 season early. Um, so a lot of his tape is a bit old, which is the, the thing that I think that's dropped him a lot. When you look at that, he's not a name that's mentioned as a high-rated tackle. But if he if he'd continued on that trajectory, I think he would be. Um, he's someone who who looks like an offensive tackle. He has a right blend of of height, weight, length. He, he he's a good pass blocker. Um, he he's nimble. He's athletic. He protects well. He is not the best run blocker that, that you'll see, and that's something that he might need to improve. But he, he moves across the field very well for a guy of his size. He, he looks um, athletic. He doesn't look like he's just fi fixed where he is as some of these bigger guys can be. Um, so he's got a, a real... He's got family history as a, of the, in the NFL. His grandfather, MJ, was a former New York Giant. He was drafted in, oh, the, in the... It'll do for me then. In, in the 50s, I think it was. He's had an uncle who's played um, as well in, at that level... I think a great uncle possibly. So he's he's got that family lines that we start seeing as well in people. Um, he is going to be a bit of a flyer for teams because they haven't much to work on over the last two years. But if you look at his tape from previous years, he, he was up there with some of the other tackles who are going to go highly. And if a team needs a tackle, that, but they don't need him immediately, um, he's got the skill set to be a starting NFL tackle. And he is someone that... You might just get value as all these other tackles come off the board. He might, he, well, he will slip. He's not going to be in that top range because we've, we've talked about the tackles at length. There's a lot of good tackles, but for a for a late round prospect, you, you're buying in someone who could have gone much higher if things had gone well for him. Yeah, if if you go back to 2018, he was expected to be like the next great offensive tackle, and they say it's just that, that those injuries have, have killed it, haven't they? But a prediction for you, I think he's going to go day two. I think he'll. I think he'll be picked on day two because he has that raw talent that that you look for an offensive lineman. Uh, really good when dropping, but he has some of the best pass protection tape. The problem is it's from so long ago, uh, and that and that's part of the issue, isn't it? And I think um, that's why he's bypassed people, isn't it? So they've, they've just he's he's almost been forgotten. Exactly. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's got the size. He's, his hands are, are really sticky. So yeah, I think I think he's going to go day two. Uh, I think he's going to go that highly. Yeah, he he is. You you've you've hit it right on the head there, aren't you? You know, he's the forgotten man of the of the offensive tackles. 
because it's all 2018. I was just looking up on some of the, the big boards and um, three different areas have got him at 24, 82 and 151. And PFF have actually got their tackles are Sewell, Slater, Darasaur and then Little. So they, yeah, PFF have got him as the fourth, fourth player, fourth tackle off the board. So there's no doubting the talent that's there. He was one of the highest rated prospects coming out of high school. Um, and whether a team can assure themselves that he is now fit and ready and raring to go. I think this is where the lack of things like private workouts and, and whatnot might not do him favours. And that's why he might fall a little bit further. If, if there'd been in other years when you can bring someone in and work them out in a bit more of a private situation, he may well actually have come up a bit. So I think that's maybe a, a year specific thing for him. Yeah, and teams haven't been able to see him because of that tape, be able to polish up some of the stuff that that he was struggling with. He was a little bit inconsistent, and we like how you go back and look at the top fives for the offensive line. We like Maulers, don't we? And I think he maybe was it could do that a little bit more. He could finish players a little a little bit more. So there's certain things that teams uh, will want him to do, and they just haven't had chance to see it. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a scout somewhere who's been watching him for four or five years. He's like, look, we need to get him. Like you say, get him, get to round two. It's like, yeah, let's get him based purely on the sort of upside and what he could do a couple of years ago. One um, of his problems might be when people have gone back to look at Davis Mills after the hype that he's now getting, that he would hope to be on that film as well. And, and he's just not. Yeah, it's a shame. Right. Oh, and who's your offensive prospect? Okay, so I've gone for one that I really, really like. So I've opted for Jalen Darden, who's a wide receiver from North Texas. So I'm really, really high on this guy. I was put out there, I think in any other wide receiver class, I think he could potentially be a late second, early third round pick because he is very, very good. First, I'm just going to read you his, his 2020 stats. 64 receptions, 736 yards, 19 touchdowns. Then if I tell you his whole college career, 2,400 yards, 1,300 of them after the catch and 33 touchdowns. According to the stats, that's the most amongst all draft eligible receivers. Just absolutely unbelievable. And it gives you a sense of the type of player he is, doesn't it? He's just pure electric. But still, you look back, some guys are still still, um, still split on, on where Darden's going to be picked. And you, I did some research on as well, like, like you guys have. And I looked at one website where someone had a, a, a late second round grade on him. And the next one I clicked on, they had a late sixth round grade on him. So, you know, what do you do with that? If I was, yeah, if I was describing with one word, it's going to be fun because he's going to make a team really, really happy when they land him in a couple of weeks time. And you, you can do, you can just do so much with him. Uh, and, and the best thing is you can do all of them quite successfully. He is on the small side. So he's going to be one of those shorter, more compact guys who, who plays the receiver position like a running back. Uh, and you aren't going to want him you know, going up and contesting jump balls. You know, he's going to be that slot type of player, but you know, that's becoming more, more valued now anyway, isn't it? But yeah, if you get the ball in his hands, just, just watch what he does he's run after the catchability. He's just, just a machine. If you can generate slants, check downs, digs, it's basically any route that, that, that gets the ball in his hands, you know, it's, that isn't a deep route. He's going to, he's going to give you production. He has the speed. He has the uh, elusivity. His, his footwork's really good. He steps up a gear when the ball's in his hand. You can see the motor starts going and he's just really creative while also being strong and balanced. So I think just a, it's a perfect storm for him to be a really good contributor when, uh, yeah, he's just going to be a steal on day three. 
Yeah, I always like receivers who've got a lot of speed who do well on punt and kick returns. And he's a guy who's a, is a good yeah, punt absolutely. and kick returner because um, it shows what they can do with the ball in the hands after the catch. And I think that looks back. There's there's a lot of players who, who if they have that about the game, you know that they're going to be useful with, with these kind of check downs and slants, as Owen says. And that was kind of the knock that I had on last year's speed king, which was Henry Ruggs. He never returned any punts, really any kicks. And I always thought, yeah, this guy's so fast. Why is he not doing it? Um, and you kind of saw that when he came out, What? why he doesn't do that. He was, so guys like Darren who can do that, they offer your team a lot more. You can be, you can, you can be creative with them. You can, you know, you've got all these things that are common now, these college trick plays, plays, jet sweeps, all these things, getting these guys touches early. You see a lot of the young receivers from San Francisco play that way. Ayuk and Debo Samuel, um, have, have played that way as, as they've developed as wide receivers. And I think that that's where value in somebody like Darden comes. And yeah, he's very good with the ball in his hand. So he will, he will, he will contribute for the team. He might not line up in every play on the outside contesting a, a downfield play, but he will, he'll be a guy who you might notice you blink and he's got several touchdowns over the course of a few games. I'm really glad that you you picked this guy, yeah, Owen, because you've introduced me to let's give them their full name, North Texas Mean Green, as they're called, and uh, the only eagle I've ever liked, their mascot Scrappy. Um, you can see how where I what the research I was doing for this, I was just looking up mascots. Um, so yeah, you he's, he's, in Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Got that on. Got that on. So I and, and I'd agree with everything you said about he's he's going to be such a useful player to somebody who who can put together those sorts of dynamic uh, plays where they can get the ball in his hand. I just hope he doesn't go to the Giants because giving him Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator would would probably seriously limit his, his impact. Um, but yeah, for the right team, he's, he's dynamic, he's explosive, he's elusive. Just get him the ball and, and then just watch. I think he, this is where you, you're looking. And because it's such a good wide receiver class, there, there is probably more value in taking this guy at some point on, let's say it's on day three, than somebody with, with a similar sort of build, stature and, and profile earlier on in the draft. I think this is where you pick up real value. Uh, uh, yeah, you're exactly right there. Because you think I don't like the term, but the human joystick type players. So, like you look at the top fives that we had. So I had Rondale Moore in my top five, and don't get me wrong, I think Rondale Moore is a much better prospect than Jalen Darden. But is is the drop off that significant? Uh, uh, you know, in a in a utility back, if you can pick up a guy like Jalen Darden or even like a Shy Smith or something like that in the in the fourth or the fifth instead of instead of the second, then yeah, the, the value is just enormous, isn't it? Yeah, and it allows you to focus your resources. Then, if you pick someone like that later on, with you might use that second round pick in a a position group that's not as deep, where you have a need. So, yeah, you can definitely see why these guys do well and why the why they're picked up by teams. Yeah, I think if you're if you're a team like the Jets, say you have loads of draft picks, really need receivers, um, and can just take take almost a flyer on someone like Darden. This is the perfect year to do it. You can get two or three of these guys in the third, fourth, fifth round and, you know, you think one or two of them would, would end up being pretty good. Um, so, yeah, that's Jalen Jordan from North Texas, the mean green, as we found out. 
Uh, MJ, who's yours? Okay, so this this is where it got really fun for me in finding this guy. So we're going with Zach Davidson, tight end and punter from central Missouri. Um, so we're going off to Webb City, Missouri, which has a population of like 11,000. And a guy who in high school kind of accidentally ended up punting because uh, the regular guy got suspended. And then from there... He's, he's ended up at Central Missouri and he, he bulked up. He started off at about 210 and he's gone to about 2, 245. He is, a, he is a very decent punter if you if you want him in that role. But he's also developed into a really good tight end. And I, and I think in a, in a class where once you get past Kyle Pitts and Pat uh, Frymouth, um, you know, as we said in the podcast, it's all, it's all much for muchness. There wasn't much to, to spark your interest. And you may as well wait and wait until day three and take Zach Davidson um, because he's, it's his attitude and his character um, that, that really got me. He, before 2019, I think he'd only caught 11 passes as a tight end. And then 2019, uh, he won all sorts of awards, at division two level, all American. He got 15 touchdowns, absolutely stellar 2019. And then he can't do anything in 2020 pandemic hits. And at the level he's at, the teams, they, they couldn't afford the, the testing. They couldn't afford to run a season. Um, so he, they gave him the option of a, of a grad transfer. Do you, want to, do you want to go somewhere else? And he, he opted not to do that. And he actually went um, over, the, over the winter, he went down to Florida to a pre-draft training camp. And he's, he's trained with the big names and the bigger schools now. And he, he held his own when he did that. And it's the first time he's been around kind of professional trainers and, and professional athletes. And apparently there were half a dozen teams who who spoke to him and, and started to get really, really interested in him. Yes, of course, he's got he's got to develop as a tight end. He's got to develop the skills, but he's got the athleticism. His, his recent pro day would have put him, most of his stats would have been in the top two or three of the tight ends from last year. And his three cone is, is faster than the number one tight end in this draft. So there is definitely something about him. Um, and it was just the character that got me. I mean, the, you know, the guy, to start with, he taught himself how to punt because they didn't have a special teams coach that, that could coach that into him. So he's, he, is, he is a great story. And I'm going to be really interested to see where he ends up. Yeah, I'll jump in here. So yeah, I was going to touch on the pro day as well. Running a four six when you're two hundred and forty eight pounds is just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, and a sub seven second three cone for a player of his side is just ridiculous. I don't know if you want him blocking. That would be one thing I say. But that's going to be down to his development, isn't it? But as a red zone target, absolutely. You know, uh, two thousand and nineteen. 40 receptions, 900 yards, fifteen touchdowns in just one season. He, he dominated the level he was at with well, literally no experience. So yeah, he is someone that someone is absolutely gonna gonna jump out on, on day three just because there's so much to work with there. Yeah, that's why I love doing this. You just find these random players, don't you, that you mm. come across that just you just like you get the you know, the tight end slash punter. It's gonna yeah. be, there's, gonna, there's gonna be one year you're gonna get something like the, the quarterback slash long snapper, aren't you? It's just it's just funny when you start looking at these smaller schools when they don't have the, the ability to have these people who are specialists at every position and there is going to be some guys who, who double up um, and and fair play to the guy he's you know he's risen from that level to the point where he's going to be he's going to be drafted by someone 
He's going to be on an yeah. NFL roster. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes and interesting to see if he does take, take some punts in the NFL. Yeah. yeah, can you can you imagine some really strange like trick plays with him? I'm, I'm just trying to imagine how they could work it in. What I like is he's backed himself, hasn't he? So he, yeah. he wasn't able to play the season. He's gone. No, I'm going to challenge myself with the best, and he's gone out with nothing to work with. At this point last year, wasn't getting drafted. Goes and put that in a in a pro day, and all of a sudden he's potentially going early day three. Yeah, what it what it reminded me of is the other guy who, who you mentioned a lot uh, coming out of senior ball, Quinn Quinn Miners was that that him? Yeah, yeah, Quinn yeah. Miners. Yeah, yeah. He he'd um, he'd done the same thing, hasn't he? He's he's gone away and he's trained and he's he's had you know coaching about his game and has has really worked on um, his technique during a, a really rough 2020 where people weren't, weren't able to, to put the tape out there. And again, he's, he's another one who's going to go earlier than he would have done 12 months ago. Yeah, I really like that pick, Andre, because now no one can say we've not done any special teams <laughs> specialists as well. <laughs> That's the kickers and the punters done for this year. The team. Go on, who have you opted for then? I've gone for Tylan Wallace, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. He had a really decent four years at Oklahoma. Uh, before that, he was a, a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he twice led Big 12 for receiving yards. He's, he's only 5'11", um, but, he's, but he's pretty fast. Not super top-level fast, but he's pretty fast. Um, but he's a great route runner, um, and he's a great catcher of the ball, and I'm a bit of a wide receiver purist. And for me, you can run good routes and catch the ball a lot. They're the two biggest things. They often get overlooked when you look at speed and stuff like that, but you know, give him a 50-50 ball, I'm pretty confident he's going to get it. Uh, few injuries, um, a bit of a red flag, including a torn ACL a couple of years ago. Um, and he's missed time pretty much every year. Um, but yeah, I, I love just watching him in terms of, look, you throw the ball sort of near him, he's got a pretty decent chance of getting it. Still needs to improve. Um, but he's another one in this receiver class. He's, he's very deep. There's got to be a lot of players like this. Um, but yeah, for me, I just loved, loved how... Like I say, it sounds pretty almost stupid, but yeah, a receiver who's really good at catching. Um, but yeah, I really like him. Um, probably maybe maybe day two pick, um, but you don't know that many receivers. Who knows where he's going to go? And I think that's uh, things that we we probably are guilty of as well. It's not talking that much about his hand of receivers, how good receivers' hands are. You look at all these traits, but the, the most important thing is getting that ball in your hands. Um, and, and he is someone who, who does that. And again, we, we speak about different things. Route running is, is very important as well. And I think the guy who did the best out of the draft last year, Justin Jefferson, was probably the best route runner out of these guys. Yeah. Um, who, when, you, when you look back at it and you think, yeah, he was really good in his routes. Um, so again, the, there's, there's the core materials to work there with that guy. Yeah, you've got you've got some great stats there, haven't you? You've got three very good years. You I think fourteen hundred yards the one year, almost a thousand yards the other two years. Um, sixteen, seventeen yards per catch. The thing that got me, which has been touched on there, is I, I was amazed at how many times he did really well with an underthrown ball. I don't know who was who was playing quarterback. I didn't catch who it was, but he was he was able to come back and get it because half the time he's run, he's run the route and and the ball's been underthrown and he was still able to go back. Uh, and, and get it um, and at 5-11 you know he was he was competitive for the for for those catches and 
Yeah, again, it's funny, isn't it? There's another one with an ACL somewhere in the midst of that. There's quite a few of those. It's a very, very highly stacked wide receiver class. So it, it's perhaps a bit difficult to decide where he's going to go. But yeah, towards the end of day two, into day three, probably. Well, there we go. A few more players for us all to keep an eye out as we get towards the draft. Now, for the first time on our Draft Talk podcast, we're going to dive into the mailbag. Put the shout out this week to send us some questions. And here's what we've got. I'll start with you, MJ. Which team will make the biggest surprise move in the first round? E.g. Packers taking Jordan Love last year. Okay, so this this puts you on the spot, doesn't it? This this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I've I've um you've asked me for one. I'm going to give you three just quickly. So, and these are teams that I think two of the three. I think they just have to do something. The team needs them to do something. Um, one of those is the Chicago Bears at twenty. I mean, if you were a Bear, I, I think is it is there any team to be aware that are for a fan, is there any team where you are more um, upset about the off-season than, than for the Chicago Bears at the moment? Um, they need a spark. They need something. They're sat at 20. I've seen things where they, they try and get up to sort of 10, 11, 12. I'm going to be really interested to see what they do because they don't have an awful lot of draft capital. They do have some players on their roster who they might try and throw into the bargain. But I think Chicago need to use the draft to try and spark a bit of interest going into 2021. Um, similarly, the Patriots, I don't think, and we've said it before on this um, on this podcast, but you know, Bill Belichick isn't just going to ease himself into retirement. He's gone big in free agency. Is he going to go big in the draft? Peter Schrager's got a mock draft out, I think, which has come out today, which has them uh, leaping all the way up to take Justin Fields, I think it is. Um so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And then the third one, Brian, just for you, you can't discount the Cowboys doing something bizarre. I mean, the way this board is falling, if somebody like Jalen Waddle is still on the board at 10, the Cowboys don't necessarily need another receiver. But can you, can you imagine him, you know, he, he could look at all of those positions, perhaps on defence, that he should take someone, and then he just looks at the player that's still on the board in Jalen Waddle sees the Giants and the and the Eagles at 11 and 12 and goes, well, I don't want to play against him. Um, even if I have to sit him on my bench, I just I don't want him playing for either of those two. So th- that's the third one I'd throw into the bargain. Kind of fun, scary, but it is a bit weird now. We're just like you say, Cowboys are just in front of the, the Giants and the Eagles. There will be a bit of, oh, we better take him just so they don't. But we'll see. We'll see, hopefully. Yeah, well, they, they did it last year, didn't they? With, with C.D. Lamb wasn't particularly the biggest need on the team yeah. when they had... Uh, Amari Cooper and Gallup, but would you take Waddle among and have those three on your roster as well? Yeah, a, a quarterback would like it. Um, I don't know yeah. if a, if a defense would. Yeah, I don't know. I if always it remember the, receiver, but it, it might be Cal Pitts if he's there. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> I always remember the look on the look on Jerry's face last year when um, who was picking ahead of them, but they they made their pick and then it cut to like the Cowboys' war room, and and it was just Jerry sat on his sofa just. And you can see the look on his face was like, CD Lamb's still there. I'm taking him. On the yacht. Yes. Yeah, sat in his yacht drinking a yeah. little light or whatever it was. It's like, yeah. Great times. <laughs> we shall see. Um, now to you online. Uh, who do you think could fall furthest, if anyone? I'm presuming that means the sort of top picks who's going to fall. Uh, so I, the um, the obvious one's Caleb Farley probably here, isn't it? Because he's just had that back surgery. He was... Um, some people's top cornerback wasn't ours, but for some people, he's going to fall. Um, 
and maybe to the twenties, if a team who's, who's got two picks there, maybe like the Jets or the Jags, if they want to take a punt on him, then that's fine. Other one, probably Gregory Rousseau as well. I hate to say it, um, and you know <laughs> we won't acknowledge that, Stu. But Stu's that, cheering. That that, uh, that pro day was a tough sell, wasn't it? It was really disappointing uh, coming away from that. And that one of the later ones, uh, two two Atwell, uh, ESPN have him ranked as the top. 50 prospect, but he's currently five foot nine and 155 pounds. I don't understand how how that's well. If it's anyone else, it's probably not draftable. 155 pounds. It's 20 pounds lighter than Devontae Smith, and we know that the the noise that's created. Yeah, um, Gregory Rousseau's pro day was music to my ears. You know that. <laughs> I might I might be justified in leaving him out of my top five now. I, I think just to chip in, I think, yeah, Russo, I'd got um, just a category. I, I think edge rushers, I think some edge rushers, because it, we've said before on, on the podcast, it depends what what sort of flavour you're after. And I think you've got um, people like Jason Owe, Aziz Ojolari, who are some teams cup of tea, but not others. I mean, Ojolari is, is apparently round one on um, some boards and... Day two, you know, possibly later day two, round three on, on some other boards. So I, I think edge rushers, and if you throw somebody like Jalen Phillips in where you've got the injury concerns, Rousseau, obviously, because he is he is raw and you don't have last year's stats. So I think edge rushers might be the category where they start to fall. Interesting you say that because uh, Jason Owe obviously had an all-time great pro day and then Jalen Phillips had a really good one as well. But I, I know what you mean where it's kind of all condensed together now, isn't it? Whether that's between one and maybe six or seven, they're all much of a muchness and there isn't much separation. Yeah, and, it, and it's just going to depend on where you where you want to take your edge rusher. Yep. Um, and if he, if he slips by and you've gone with another position, then the next 10 teams behind you might not rate him anywhere near. Yeah, it makes me think that maybe Jason Owe will go higher than we think because, um, you know, they're all around the same. I'm probably going to bet on the athletic guy more than anything. He, he strikes me as somebody that Pittsburgh would really like, particularly that they've lost Bud Dupree. He might be someone that they've tempted round about that range. They've got TJ Watt on one side. I know they have other needs, but with athletic profile, Pittsburgh tend to like their their athletic profiles, he that might be someone who would be looking at him. And I think they pick in about 24, I think it's 24. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 24, yeah. 24, yeah. But this quick quick fire mailbags going there. Uh, going... That's <laughs> 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 great, great question. <laughs> uh, well, we know how accurate your 49ers predictions are, Stu. So uh, who do you think they're really going to take at number three? I could really keep it short and say Mac Jones, but I'm not going to say that. I don't think they're going to take Mac Jones. Um, there, there's been a lot of... You might be able to just leave it at that. That could be your answer. Just not yeah. Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, I... One of my really good friends is a 49ers fan and he absolutely has fallen in love with Justin Fields. So I really hope they don't take Justin Fields because <laughs> um, that would really annoy him. He's given me a load of abuse of being a Dolphins fan over the years. So... Um, but I think that's who they're going to pick. I think Justin Fields is the kind of guy that you spend that draft capital to trade up for. There's been so much talk about Mac Jones. I don't know if you saw the press conference with Shanahan not long after the trade, when, when he was talking about um, Kirk Cousins. And they said, I don't know why you all think Kirk Cousins is my prototypical quarterback. And that's what people mm. have been linking it to. Saying, oh, he's like Kirk Cousins and Shanahan did really well with Kirk Cousins. And the two quarterbacks he talked about was um, Mahomes, obviously, and uh, 
his dad coaching John Elway. Um, yeah. So if Fields fits that profile much better than Mac Jones does. So I think Shanahan's almost dipped his hand. Yeah, I'm not. it's not going to be Mac Jones. So I think Justin Fields is going to be the guy. I think Trey Lance would interest them, but I don't know if they would be give up that much for Trey Lance. I, I just get a feeling that they would they they wouldn't. Um, I know Owen would, um, but I don't. It's fine. Know they if, can take whoever they want as long as he's there at four. <laughs> um, but I think if if you're giving up that much, I think it's I think it's going to be Justin Fields. We're all assuming that Zach Wilson's going to um, at the Jets, although I'm not at one hundred percent definite sure that is yet because there's there's nothing really from the Jets to say it is it just seems to be circulated and almost taken as a given that they're taking Zach Wilson at two and that kind of smells to me a bit like when Baker Mayfield was picked it was Sam Darnold or Josh Allen Sam Darnold Josh Allen two days before it's going to be Baker Mayfield do we find that with the Jets and if they do then take Justin Fields the 49ers would they take Zach Wilson they might do um, but it might change their thinking a little bit at that point. So, yeah, the short answer is not Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Fields. Fields field, all day. I thought when you when you started that with the, you've got a friend, I thought you were going to do a Chris Sims and say, I've got a friend who knows Carl Shanahan, <laughs> who says... Who's got matching tattoos, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Thanks for the, the short answer there, Stu. Uh, one question we did get, which there is a really short answer to, is uh, where do you find out which best players are at each position? And the short answer is, listen to this podcast. We've done all the top fives for all the position groups. There you go. Nice quick look, one for you. And looking out for the, the articles, we'll be listing all them coming out. I of think course. yours is out already today, Brian, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. mine came out this morning, so there's, there's plenty of stuff on the website as well. Uh, one last question. We'll, we'll share this between the group. Uh, with a lack of success with first round picks, are teams better trading out of the first for multiple other picks? No. Um, <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> that, is, that is short. Um, it, it depends where you're drafting. If you're drafting number one, you don't. Um, if you're drafting uh, in the twenties, then I guess you can uh, you, you could consider it. It depends what your needs are as well, doesn't it? If you need a quarterback, then I'd be the advocate of trading up rather than trading out. So yeah, if you you know if you've got a guy, then then yeah, you've you've absolutely you go you go and get him. You be aggressive, back yourself, back your evaluation, uh, go and get the guy that you like. But yeah, if you, if you're picking in the twenties, I can see where there'd be some circumstances where where you'd move out where the it's kind of the lines blur and you're in that kind of messy borderlands between late first round grades, early second round grades. Yeah, then you know, tough calls need to be made and. I can see why some teams would want to trade back out of that. The Seahawks have made a living from it, haven't they? Um, mm. uh, you know, the only thing would be is it might annoy some fans when they've waited up all night and you're picking 27 and then you don't end up picking at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Towards the end, I think that I've always thought that the uh, round one of the draft, it, it starts to get interesting again when you get into the 20s because you do start to get teams who might want to trade back up and have another first round pick and you, you can get some teams because obviously in, in the later picks, you, you picking with teams who are pretty decent. They've made the playoffs. Their, their roster is pretty solid most of the time. Um, but you, there were three that I looked at. So the Saints might want to trade back because they're, they're sort of resetting and probably do with the draft picks. They're in, you know, have been in cap hell. Um, and then the Ravens don't have a lot of draft capital. Maybe they would, would trade into earlier into day two. I, I think they definitely there are some, I, I reckon there'll be some trades at the end of that round. And I think you'll get some teams who might want to trade back up 
uh, into day one. And of course, we've got three teams who, who are going to be sat doing nothing day one. Are they just going to, you know, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Rams doing nothing? Are they going to try and get back up into the into the first round? Yeah, I think it depends on who you're drafting and it depends on what your needs are. For example, this year, just taking it as, as we've kind of looked at, if you're drafted near the end of the first and you need a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, you quite happily would trade back into round two and pick up a couple of picks there because um, there's good depth there and there's good value to be had there and you might accumulate a couple of more players than you would have picking that one guy that you like at one. But on the converse, if there's positions of need that you have that are scarce, maybe particularly like this year, the top-end cornerbacks, you're not going to find the same value trading down. So it's very, it's very dependent on what your team's needs are and what the that year's draft looks like. It might be a really good year to trade back in some years. And as MG said, I, I wonder if teams like um, Jacksonville or... or the Jets, who've got a lot of draft capital, might want to come back up into the first round for somebody. Even the Bengals, maybe they're just at that lower end, at the higher end of round two. If there's somebody who's hovering around that late first round, because it also gives you the fifth-year option, which you don't have if you pick that player in round two. So you might see some of those teams want to just come up and grab that player because they've got a lot of capital anyway. Moving up a few spaces isn't going to cost them a lot, but it gives them that extra flexibility. So moving up and moving down is, is often a good move for you. I like that, Stu. The Jets and Jacksonville maybe having three first-round picks. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? The, the, we, go on. we saw um, the the Giants did that, didn't they? They had the... Don't remind me. Yeah, they had the, they'd already <laughs> the had third the one picks. didn't work out. <laughs> but, they, but they did that. They, they came back up because they thought they were getting somebody um, and they'd come up into the, yeah. that round. And you saw the the Ravens did it with Lamar Jackson because that gives them yeah. that that um, fifth year option as well, which which can be really valuable for some teams. Yeah, the the one wild card to do it this year for me would be Indianapolis to try and they've done really really well drafting over the last few years and they've spent some of that capital getting Carson Wentz. It wouldn't be surprised me if they try and back out and recuperate some of that some of that cost. Yeah, Chris Chris Ballard really likes doing that, doesn't he? He yeah, likes he coming out it, yeah. round so one, that, that loves his round two picks. Yeah. Well, there we go. And that's it for today's episode. Do check out our previous podcasts, our Twitter at 99yards and our website, 99yards.com, for more draft coverage. We'll be back next week with more news, views, mocks and more. Thanks for listening. 